Hello, my friends. Welcome to PMP Exam Success in 40 Days. It's your buddy Phil here. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about what you need to know to ace the exam in 2023. What exactly do you need to ace the test? Well, you need to understand the 35 tasks that the PMI have outlined in the PMP exam content outline. It is not about the sixth or the seventh edition of the PMBOK guide. It's not about the Agile Practice Guide. Instead, it is about how you are able to tackle problems that project managers commonly face. And these problems can be broken down into three buckets. People problems, process problems, and business problems. That's how I look at it. People, process, business. Now, when it comes to the people domain, there are 14 things that you need to be able to do well. And that's why in the first 14 days of this podcast, I covered the 14 tasks. So let me remind you about these 14 tasks. Number one, as a project manager who is certified from the PMI, they want you to demonstrate that you're able to effectively manage conflict. You're able to understand where the conflict is coming from, and you know that it's not about you. It's about the team members going through the conflict. You need to be a facilitator whether you're in the world of Agile or you're in the world of Predictive. So it's a mindset of let me help facilitate, not let me help you solve the problem or decide who is wrong or be the judge and the jury. It's not that. The second thing is lead a team. Leadership is all about influence. And in order to lead properly, you need to understand situational leadership. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing when it comes to leadership. You should be able to apply the Hersey Blanchard model and the Hersey Blanchard model is talked about in Pembok 7, you need to be able to apply that thinking to different situations. You need to be able to apply the servant leadership mindset from Robert Greenleaf, which is, I am a servant. I am serving. Instead of looking at yourself as being the center of attention and leadership. So in the world of traditional, we typically see project managers being at the center if the project manager isn't there, things fall apart. But it's different in the world of Agile. In the world of Agile, you are a servant. So we talk about servant leadership quite a lot. Another thing when it comes to the aspect of leading the team, you need to understand the five stages of team development. Forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. When it comes to these two topics of managing conflict and leading a team, you also need to understand the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Instrument. Again, talked about in the seventh edition. So what does this talk about? Well, this talks more about you having five options to resolve conflict. You could either withdraw or avoid. You could compromise or reconcile. You could smooth or accommodate. You can force or direct. And you can collaborate or problem solve. And those are alternate names for each of those. And you need to understand how those pan in. Number three, support team performance. Give the team the environment and support they need. Trust them to get the job done. Don't use dumb KPIs. Use sensible KPIs, reliable KPIs. Don't use velocity. Don't penalize the team. Use good, empathetic ways of leadership in order to support team performance. Number four, empower team members and stakeholders. How do you do that? Well, my mentor, John Maxwell, he says, only secure leaders give power to others. So how can you empower team members? Organize around their strength. Cut them loose. Let them make mistakes. Evaluate the demonstration of task accountability and look at the team as an organism that needs to go through a metamorphosis. 
they're not going to get to where they need to if you don't give them opportunities to make mistakes. So you got to determine decision-making authority and bestow those levels of decision-making authority. Number five is ensure team members and stakeholders are adequately trained. This just means as a project manager, as an agilist, as a scrum master, put on that hat of what my team actually need to know? What does my team actually need to know in order to function in this project or in this capacity? So you determine what they need to learn. You determine the options. You allocate resources and you ensure that the training was effective. Number six, build a team. And to build a team, you first of all need to get everyone on the same page. Ground rules, group norms, those need to be clarified. And how do you clarify them? A project charter? Not a project charter, a team charter. So when you think about a team charter, the team charter clarifies how the team is meant to behave. The project charter clarifies what the project is meant to do. And there's usually a confusion between both, but the project charter does not have the group norms and the definition of done and the definition of ready and things like that. That exists in the team charter. Other names for team charter, team contract, social contract. So when you think about ground rules, think team charter. When you think about project detail, think project charter. So in building a team, you need to have knowledge transfer. You need to assess and refresh skills. And in that way, the team is built. Number seven, address and remove impediments, obstacles, and blockers for the team. As a scrum master or an agile project manager, whoever you might be, whatever role you're playing. And by the way, on the exam, they're not going to say project manager all the time, they might use the language project leader or team lead. Be aware of that. But whatever your role, you need to address and remove those impediments, obstacles, and blockers. So how do you do that? Well, you first determine what are the impediments, and then you prioritize those critical impediments, obstacles, and blockers, and you use your network of influence to remove those blockers. It may not be you doing the removal, but you use your influence to generate the traction for action in that removal. So perhaps you know someone in a different department that can help with that removal, or you use your influence to do so. And that's what we mean by addressing and removing impediments, obstacles, and blockers. Number eight, negotiate project agreements. There are many things that can be negotiated. Schedule, cost, and scope are just a few. But as a project manager, don't just take everything that is thrown at you in the impossible realm. A lot of times you're going to be pushed to do what is not possible or you are going to be asked to do what is not possible. Don't just take it like that. Make it a negotiation. One of the things PMI is keen on you demonstrating is the ability to negotiate, the ability to trade off, make trade offs. And that's what we're talking about here. Number nine, collaborate with stakeholders. That makes sense. Right. So when you identify your stakeholders, you plan how to engage them and then you engage them, which is collaborate. Number 10, build shared understanding, break down situations to understand why things are not clear and make sure that you survey all parties involved so that you can be on the same page. One of the things I recommend is use an approach to get on the same page. So break the problem down. I call it the DIGCIV approach. You define the problem. You identify the root cause. You generate alternatives. Then you choose the best alternative. Then you implement it. And you verify that it actually worked. And 
that's a way of solving problems, but it's also partially a good way of getting on the same page by defining the problem, identifying the root cause, and generating alternatives where there's a problem that needs to be solved. Number 11, engage and support virtual teams. Virtuality is here to stay, so it makes sense to do that. Number 12, define team ground rules. Communicate organizational principles with the team and external stakeholders. Establish an environment that fosters adherence to ground rules. So we talked about ground rules, and I said you need these to be able to effectively build a team, get them on the same page. So when you hear group norms, ground rules, do's and don'ts, acceptable behavior, we're talking about team charter, social contract, team contract, team agreement, things like that. Number 13, mentor relevant stakeholders. It just makes sense. If a stakeholder needs mentoring, why wouldn't you mentor them? Of course you should. So allocate time to mentor and recognize and act on mentoring opportunities. Perhaps someone is speaking totally out of character that is meant to be displayed in an agile environment. Well, that is an indicator. That's a sign. (laughs) As it says, recognize and act on those mentoring opportunities. Well, you recognize pretty quick. This person didn't get the memo. They're not talking in an agile fashion. They need some mentoring. Finally, we get to number 14. Promote team performance through the application of EI, emotional intelligence. So what is EI? Emotional intelligence is, one, you being able to control your emotions, you understanding your emotions, you being introspective and understanding what makes you tick, being able to bridle your emotions. And then secondly, it's understanding the emotions of the team, being able to read nonverbal cues, knowing what makes the team tick, do's and don'ts of individuals, like things that trigger individuals, right? Knowing what is going to trigger someone on your team is being emotionally intelligent. Know what is going to trigger your boss, right? understanding when it's a good time and when it's a bad time to have certain conversations. But EI is also being able to influence the emotions of others. It's not the word control, it's the word influence. And that's just straight up EI. Now, when it has appeared on the exam in the past, the whole thing about Myers-Briggs came up quite a lot back in the day. It hasn't been that prevalent on the exam in the recent years, like 2022, 2023. There hasn't been that much chatter about it. If you understand the core of being an introvert, extrovert, introspective, and being an extrovert, you should be able to answer the questions for the most part. Um, I would say go to Wikipedia and just take a quick look at the high-level chart for the Myers-Briggs and just understand the four categories because that's what forms the framework, right? There are four categories and I actually talked about them on day 14. So I hope you caught what I talked about. I'm not going to repeat uh, what I said on day 14. Listen to it because I went into quite a bit of detail on day 14 regarding EI. And that's it, my friends. That's the summary of everything we've been talking about from day one to day 14 on this podcast. I hope this makes sense to you. Remember, if you are stuck in any way and you have questions, you can always send in a question to this podcast via Spotify. If you are on Apple and you got questions, you can always send them in to support at 
praiseon.com. That's support at P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N.com. Ask your question and it will be answered. Well, thank you very much, my friends. I appreciate you joining me today. Don't forget to smash that like button and subscribe and let your other friends who are getting ready for this exam know about what's out here. Thank you very much and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.